Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association Urban Missionary Training Center. In this video, we'll be looking at a book written by David Garrison that came out in the year 2000. It's on church planting movements. In this video, we will be looking at obstacles to church planting movements. There are a number of obstacles that have been observed in church planting movements around the world, and we want to look at those. But before we begin, let's talk briefly about the church planting movement is a divine movement of God. It's not a creation of man. You can do everything that is found in church planting movements around the world. You can implement all the characteristics. You can have all the methodology. You can have everything in place. But it doesn't mean that that is going to produce a movement of churches that are being planted among a people group or population segment. A church planting movement is not a creation of man, but is divine movement of God. And we want to say that up front once again, that this is a movement of God, it is not a movement of man. Church planting movements have characteristically found obstacles, and in those obstacles, the first one we'll look at is imposing extra biblical requirements for being a church. In many places, we want to cookie-cutter what churches are in different countries. The biblical model of a church in the book of Acts is a house church. That's the biblical model. Yes, they went to the temple. They had a large gathering in the temple where they prayed and they worshiped God, but they gathered weekly and sometimes daily in houses. Buildings, property, education, full-time clergy, congregational size... When we misunderstand what the church is and what the church should be doing, we implement or we, we impose upon what God is doing. We impose outside characteristics. For example, if we say that a church has to have a building in order to be called a church, that's an unbiblical requirement for being a church. If we say that it has to own property, or if we say that the leaders of the church have to have education, then we are imposing things upon the church. You don't have to have a seminary degree to be a pastor. Peter did not have a seminary degree. Paul did, but Peter didn't. God still called Peter full-time clergy. I remember being a missionary in other countries, and, and we would hear discussion about pastors... Uh, of congregations, they were not considered uh, a church by the National Convention because the pastor didn't have a full-time seminary education, nor was he paid full-time by his church because his church was small. He was getting it started. He was a bivocational pastor. There's nothing wrong with being bivocational. Paul purposely was bivocational. And then congregation size. I remember hearing the limitation that a congregation had to have a number of adult, baptized adult believers, such as 25 adult baptized believers, before they were considered to be a church. But what we find in Scripture is not the size of, of the congregation or not the size of the group that makes it a church. What we find is how that group functions. Does the group function according to biblical standards in order to be a church? 
The second one we want to look at is overcoming bad examples of Christianity. Problems are created when older congregations are not responsive to their communities. New believers may question why they should be passionate or urgent in evangelism or other CPM activities. Bad examples of Christianity can hinder the growth of, of the gospel in certain areas. People look at those bad examples and say, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want to be one. Or new believers might look at older believers and say, if that's what being a, uh, a Christian is like, then why are you telling me that I need to witness to my neighbors or that I need to be active in gospel activities? Bad examples is an obstacle of church planting movements. The next one is... Loss of valued cultural identity. Barriers are created when individuals, families, or groups of people are asked to abandon their ethnic identity. Remember the Yao people group. The Yao people group was a group in Africa. Over a hundred years ago, missionaries contacted the Yao people group. But engaging them with the gospel, the Yao people were told that they had to give up their cultural identity, their food, their clothing, their, their way of living, their customs. They had to give all that up to be a Christian. So you know what the Yao people did? They became Muslim because Muslims told them they didn't have to give up their cultural identity. Cultural identity is very strong in all people groups. Being Able to identify with the people that you are a part of is very, very important. God doesn't tell people in Scripture, especially in the book of Acts, that they have to give up their cultural identity. They, they need to adjust to the gospel and live in their culture because we all live in culture. We, we can't live without it. But on the other hand, every culture is tainted by sin. Every culture needs to be corrected in some way to line up with biblical values. So in order to not be an obstacle to the gospel, we should not tell people to get, completely give up their cultural identity. The Yao people group are a prime example. They became Muslim because they could keep their, their way of living, their food, their, their customs, their dress, and still be Yao. What, what is good is a number of years ago in the late 90s, there was an effort in order to make the Yao people more familiar with Christianity. And they used their culture to be able to communi communicate the gospel to the Yao people group. The next one is non-reproducible church models. Sometimes when we deal with people in other cultural groups, we want to take a cookie-cutter model of what we grew up with or the way we worship, the style of music, the things that we do. We want to superimpose those in their cultural settings. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit in a different cultural setting to spring up a, a, a fresh expression of the gospel in that cultural group, Obstacles to church planting movements are when we superimpose our own cultural ideas, when we create models that cannot be reproduced in a different context. The next one is subsidities creating dependency. This is a huge problem in cross-cultural ministries. 
Even in uh, our own cultural context, this is a huge problem. There's a difference between gifts which hinder natural growth and gifts which enhance natural growth. Dependency on outside resources typically hinders natural growth. Dependency on other people and not dependency on God will stifle natural growth. I remember a number of stories where this was true, where churches from the United States went to other, uh, other places in the world, and they would find someone, or uh, a pastor or someone else that was living just like everybody else in that context, but because they were not living according to U.S. standards, they wanted to tear their house down and build them a U.S.-style house. It didn't fit the, the cultural identity. It didn't fit the economic level of that community. But yet they wanted to superimpose dependency uh, to certain things on, on that uh, pastor or spiritual leader. I remember uh, uh, a situation in Central America where a church came in. They felt uh, they needed to do something for a pastor, so they bought him an older used car and they parked it in the front of his house and they they blessed him with the keys and they got on the airplane and flew back to the United States. A year later someone from the church went back down to visit that pastor. The car was parked in the same place in his front yard that it had been a year ago. They asked him why haven't you used the car and the pastor said I can't afford the gas. I can't afford the upkeep. That was not a good gift that enabled the pastor to continue and expand the ministry. It was a gift that hindered him being able to use it. It was something that he couldn't use in his context. So dependency on outside resources is an obstacle to the spreading of the gospel. Extra biblical leadership requirements. Paul lists criteria for elders and deacons in 1 Timothy 3. Moral character and willingness to follow Christ are given greater weight than theological training or academic degrees. We're not saying that we shouldn't be trained theologically or we shouldn't seek academic degrees. I'm thankful for the education that God has allowed me to have. But biblical character, godly character, is what Paul talks about when he lists uh, 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 a list of requirements for leadership, whether you're an elder or a deacon, Paul identifies moral and spiritual maturity as the, the primary characteristics for leaders in the church. Nowhere in that list does Paul say you have to be able to read or write to be, able, uh, to be a leader in the church. Paul says... You must hold certain character qualities in order to be able to be a leader. You don't have to be able to read or write to be a leader in the church because you can memorize the stories of the Bible and the Holy Spirit can use the Word of God in your heart to help you to lead and shepherd your people. We, uh, we must focus on godly character more than we do education. Sequentialism. Church planting movement leaders do not think in terms of sequential steps. CPMs occur when all of the various elements are underway simultaneously. The, the elements we're talking about are discussed in the other videos that, that we have recorded. 
If you haven't watched those, I would encourage you to go back and watch those to look at the elements that we're talking about. Sometimes in our U.S. culture, we, we think in terms of one, two, three, four. But sometimes God moves in all those directions at the same time. It's not necessarily in a sequential order like we think it ought to be. God is at work and He does things the way He wants them to be done and they don't necessarily fit our cultural understanding. Planting frog rather than lizard churches. This is a metaphor in relation to the different types of churches. A frog church is a type of church that just sits in one place and expects everyone to come to it. It doesn't go out and look for those. Whereas a lizard church goes out and looks for its food. A church that is going out and looking for the lost, going out and reaching the community is the type of church that a church planting movement will produce. Prescriptive strategy. CPM practitioners seek to find out where God is at work more than basing their activities on prefabricated strategies. There's nothing wrong with having a strategy. There's nothing wrong with making plans, praying and seeking God and putting some things down on paper. But when God is at work, He can do things beyond what we have on paper. And so sticking to our prefabricated strategies limits what God is doing or limits our ability to join with what God is doing. Church planting movements. These are some of the obstacles that are found in church planting movements. I'd like to encourage you to go back to the other videos that we have uh, recorded regarding church planting movements and review those. Thank you once again for joining us in the San Antonio Baptist Urban Missionary Training Center. We look forward to seeing you in the next video.